Today's podcast is sponsored by the people at Aura.com. Now, Aura offers identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all in one easy-to-use app. This means that if your online accounts or passwords are leaked online, you'll be alerted quickly, which means that you can be secure from hackers, scammers, and noisy advertising companies. The narcissists are everywhere. Literally, a friend of mine signed up and Aura found his passwords nine times on the dark web. So go to Aura.com slash Dr. Carter. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash D-R Carter. And use my link and you'll receive a free 14-day trial. And if you continue, then you'll be able to save an additional 40% off all plans. So thanks to the people at Aura.com for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Surviving Narcissism Podcast. I'm Michelle, the Program Director, and I would like to start this episode with a quick introduction. For those of you not familiar with Surviving Narcissism, it is the product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. This week, Dr. C's topic is... Why Narcissists Cannot Pull Out of Their Narcissism. Hello, Team Healthy. I'm so glad to be here with you with another episode of our Surviving Narcissism podcast. I have a very interesting topic here that I want to discuss with you. And this is going to be one where I can almost guarantee virtually every one of you has struggled with this particular question. And that is, we're going to go into the question, why can narcissists not pull out of their narcissism? What is it about them that keeps them so stuck in the ways that they frustrate you and how inappropriate they are? And to you, their impropriety may be so glaringly obvious that you just want to go over and shake them and say, can't you see what you're doing? And if they were honest, they would say, no, I don't see it. But you know what they'll do is they'll just start arguing with you. I want to begin today with a rather humorous illustration. Many of you know that my wife was trained as an opera singer. Jennifer is an incredible musician, and I tell her, I, I love you most when you're singing. She has the voice of an angel. I'm telling you, she's, she's really good. But her career, instead of going into the uh, full-blown opera, was as a teacher of choirs in the public school system. And she her choirs won all sorts of awards, etc., through the years. I mean, she's an incredible teacher as well. And I remember there was a particular time when our daughter was a teenager and she had a friend who wanted to try out for a lead in the high school play. They, they had a musical and he wanted to be uh, one of the lead singers. And so she asked her mother, uh, do you think it'd be okay for my friend to come over and get a couple of voice lessons for you from you because he wants to do the tryout? So she agreed. And so this fella came over into our living room. We have a little uh, baby grand piano in there that Jennifer started playing on and tried to get him to warm up and all. And my daughter and I were in the kitchen. We stayed out of the way and we were listening to all of this. And as this young man was standing there in the uh, living room trying to sing with my wife, it was clear as day he was totally tone deaf. 
Basically, he took one note and stayed on it, and he perfected that one note. She would kind of want him to go up and down with his scales, and he would go, ah, <laughs> and he couldn't move beyond that, and she would try to get him to sing the song that he had selected, and he'd park on that one note and just could not get beyond that. And unfortunately, my daughter and I were um, in the kitchen just trying our best not to laugh out loud. I mean, it was awful. And and the sad thing was he didn't realize how tone deaf he was. I mean, he wanted to be one of the lead singers. Okay, that gives you an idea of how some people can have an oblivious uh, idea about who they are and what their skills are. Bless his heart. I mean, he's a, actually, he's a real nice guy. Uh, the young man wound up being a an Eagle Scout and, and has done well in his career. And also, just, he just can't sing. Anyway, uh, go, going back over into the world of narcissism, you can engage with people, and as you watch how they interact with other individuals, you can see this person doesn't get it. They're not managing things well at all, and then when you say, well, why don't we sit down and talk about this? Uh, I want to discuss this, then they can't do it. They can't receive input. I, I recall another illustration, and this was shortly after my book on narcissism was published, a man that I had been talking with extensively about some of his family woes had picked up on the the book, and he was excitedly in my office talking with me about some of the things that he was learning from the book. And his comments were something to the effect of, wow, does this book so illustrate what my brother is all about? And he went on point by point saying, my brother's this, he does this, everything like you said in the book. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, actually, this book is describing you because <laughs> this fella had all sorts of in, in indicators that said, said he wanted to be in high control and he was very self-impressed and uh, couldn't receive input. And he went on and on talking about his brother. So I tried to bring it back to himself and I said, well, I'm hoping that the book can cause you to realize how perhaps your entire family has had a certain influence over it. And and I know that you've come under some of the same influences as your brother. And this man's comment was, nah, I'm my own person, and I'm just really thankful that I'm nothing like the rest of the, uh, my family. And as I would try to talk with him about the just point blank, the ingredients and the illustrations and examples of where his narcissism was, he kept taking it to other individuals. He could not see it within himself. Have you ever been around people that are like that? And I know it's frustrating. And I, I guess we, want, we might want to ask the question, is it possible that a person can be so blind to what's obvious to you that they simply cannot pull out of their dysfunction? And the answer is yes. Narcissists are astonishingly low in self-awareness. Now, there's one really large factor that keeps them in this unaware and unapproachable kind of a mindset, and that one factor is their victim status. And as long as they hold on to that status of them being a victim of what the world has done to them, then it, it acts kind of like a shield so that they cannot receive input from anyone else. Basically, narcissists think, well, if I have a problem, if you see something in me that doesn't seem to match what you would prefer, well, 
that's because it's somebody else's fault. So let's suppose, for example, you know, narcissists are very uh, inclined toward anger. Let's suppose that this narcissistic person that you're engaging with is an easily angered and agitated person, chronic impatience and annoyance. And so you point that out to, to that person. And so they're going to say, well, the reason I'm angry is because you didn't do this or that person over there didn't do it or uh, such and such didn't fall into place like I thought it was going to. And so they don't take responsibility because you see, it's not about me. It's about th those people out there. Or if they make a blunder or if they have a miscalculation or if they're, the, uh, they, they're having to uh, face some of the negative consequences from bad circumstances, it's always someone else's fault. And so by pointing out there to all those people and all those circumstances that have gotten them into the hole that they're in, they won't look in here. What this tells us is a narcissist thinks of himself or herself as a unique but misunderstood person. That's their identity. So they're the victim. The world out there has done them dirty, and if anything does happen negatively to them, they can actually acknowledge, yeah, negative things have happened and I haven't responded well. But then that next thing is, and look at what those people out there have done to me. I'm so misunderstood. If people just knew me and knew how to respond well to me, I wouldn't be having these problems. And so whatever input that you give them is going to bounce right off. Now, there's another element that goes along with this, and this is underneath that victimization status. Narcissists think adversarially, okay? And that's so important for you to recognize because when you are trying to talk with a narcissist about making adjustments, what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to think collaboratively. You're wanting to think in terms of one person sharing with another and having that back and forth, what well, we, we call it didactic communication. You share with me, I share with you, and we are able to glean from one another's wisdom. Narcissists can't do that. They think in terms of you being an adversary. That's part of that victimization mindset. And so when you say, hey, there's a problem, let's talk about it. And I want you to acknowledge that this is going on that needs to be different. They're thinking, well, I'm the good guy in this, in, in this equation. That's their starting point. And so then it leads them to say, therefore, if you're confronting me, you must be confronting me from the bad guy position. That's that adversarial mindset. And so what it means is before you even have a chance to speak, before you even have a chance to say, this is what my concerns are, you're already wrong. <laughs> you, that they have already dismissed you before you even speak. And so this adversarial me versus you mindset is going to be right there under the surface and it's going to um, come out in the open the minute you say there's a problem, we need to talk, and that's why you have a hard time getting through to them. Now, there's another element that goes into uh, the reason that narcissists simply cannot um, uh, pull out of their own narcissism is they have to have certainty. Now, uh, what this means is when you say, well, there's, there's a problem here, then immediately you're introducing doubt. You're introducing uh, vagueness or something that's just not quite inside that formula that they want to live according to, and they have to have certainty. And so your discussion with them about something that may be off base is interpreted as 
um, something that they can't uh, uh, go along with. Doubt to them means weakness. And so you're implying, hey, I'm, I'm having a struggle with you. And, and uh, for them to say, well, okay, I want to hear that, that implies a type of strength just to be able to see it or, and to listen to you. And so uh, when they have to have certainty, uh, what it means is that when you come along and say, well, there's some things that we, we need to rethink, it's like, but that completely breaks down, that destroys my worldview, that destroys my starting place here. And at, uh, because of that, then they're unable to hear whatever you have to say. Now, in addition to all of this, another reason that they are unable to pull out of their narcissism is narcissists, by definition, are fear-based. Way back when I was actually, uh, I think it was, I was a sophomore or junior uh, in college. I was at Baylor University, and I was studying childhood development. One of the first things that was drilled into us is that it's in those first six years, and uh, actually it's more like the first four years or so of a child's life, the, uh, the capacity for trust is established or not. And uh, whenever you have a, a strong sense of trust with those who are closest to you as that little developing child, then that actually begins to give you a sense of confidence and a sense of openness, and it, uh, it serves you well, of course. Narcissists are fear-based because they never really learned how to trust. Now, they may have had parents that were available, particularly the golden child will tell you that, but... Um, as far as they're concerned, they, they look at the world wondering, what are you going to do to me? And can I really believe that you're going to be there and available for me? And so the, the budding narcissist grows up with lots of defenses in the way that they engage with people. And then they come into your world as an adult and that lack of trust, that fear and the defensiveness that goes along with it is intact. And so you come along and say, hey, there's something we need to talk about. And that fear kicks in. Oh, what are you going to do to me now? Are you going to be the next person that's going to disappoint me? And so instead of saying, I'd like to hear what you have to say, it's like, this isn't going to work well for me. So why would in the, in the world would I want to listen to you? Their fear and the defense that goes along with it inhibits them from being able to receive input. And I'm certain that there are plenty of times that you have tried to say something, maybe even just really simple to that narcissistic person. You might say something like, hey, instead of doing this next time, maybe you can try that. And you can try to say it in a constructive way. And it's like, why are you always against me? You know, what is it about you that just feels like you have to come down on me? And it, it creates this fear reaction. Now, going right along with this, there's another element that keeps them stuck where they can't pull out of their uh, narcissism. And that is not only are they fear-based, but they're also shame-based. Deep down inside the psyche of a narcissist is a self-loathing. Now, the vast majority of narcissists would look at me and say, well, Carter, you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have any loathing of myself. And they would just dismiss it and they would dismiss it greatly. And um, of course, what that does, it just strengthens my understanding of where they're coming from. Narcissists have a great deal of shame that's associated with saying, I made a mistake. 
In other words, they so dislike the possibility that there's something wrong on the inside. That means that they have to be an awful person to admit a mistake or to admit the need for growth or adjustment. They cannot stand that side of themselves. That's what I mean when I say there's a self-loathing that they carry. And as a result, it's, it's a shame-based way of thinking. They think in terms of judgment. So, for example, let, let's suppose you say to that narcissist, uh, I, I felt like you were being way too controlling and micromanaging when you and I were trying to do such and such together. Okay, and you're trying to give that person some feedback, whether it's at work or at home or where else it might be. And when that person comes back with the, with the stone wall, like, no, you can't talk to me that way, that's the self-loathing. Because it's their way of thinking, if I have to admit that I have a control issue, that means I'm an awful person. And so they despise that possibility within themselves. And so what they do is they flip it around and they project it onto you. And so they'll say, well, if anybody here has a problem, it's not me, it's you. And so they'll see in you what they can't see within themselves because they, uh, they can't take upon themselves any negatives because that scares them to death. And so, again, they are unable to receive any kind of input. On our website, survivingnarcissism.tv, we offer various courses. One of them is entitled, This is Me, Establishing Boundaries Despite the Controllers in Your Life. Inside each of my courses, I break it down into modules, and then each module consists of various lessons that have a video, written materials, and questions for personal reflection. And inside This Is Me, we talk about uh, defining who you want to be and then staying inside that definition. We discuss assertiveness skills, how to stay strong without being defensive. If you would be interested in, in enrolling in this course or any of the others that we have, go to our website, click the courses link, and you'll receive all the information for how you can enroll. I hope you would find them to be quite helpful. And now, back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter. And then in addition to that, we can also say that another reason narcissists are unable to pull out of their narcissism is that they make very heavy use of binary thinking. Now, you can tell from all the comments I'm making so far here today, they, they don't have a whole lot of nuance that they go into. And by that, I mean, uh, for example, let, let's suppose a person is... Uh, 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 that narcissistic individual is struggling with a critical attitude towards someone and you might come along and say, well, I know that this bothers you, although let's try to remember that they have this, this, and this. It's also positive. We're all a mixed bag. In other words, you try to bring them into the gray zone. It's like, no, uh, you're either with me or you're not with me. You're either good or you're bad. You're either high or you're low. And so in their binary thinking, they don't allow for the fact that we each have pluses and minuses. And we each have our moments where we shine. We each have moments where we don't shine. Nuance and uh, taking into account unique circumstances, not a part of the way that they engage. And as a result, uh, they have to have hard, hard proclamations. That goes back to what I was mentioning just a few minutes ago about their strong need for certainty. And then finally, we can also say that narcissists because of their manipulative and entitled and superior attitude, are already predisposed to see you as an unenlightened person, okay? So you come along, 
and you say, well, I have some input that I'd like to share with you, or there's some things that I think would be helpful for you to know, and their immediate response is, well, what do you know? No, you're not going to tell me anything that I, that I need to hear. And an enlightened person is someone that will explain some things in ways that can help you grow. Whereas for a narcissist, they see an enlightened person as someone who thinks like me. And so if you don't think like them, like them in their superiority, it's like, well, then you can't be right. Uh, you're unenlightened. And so the, uh, the deck is loaded against you before you even have a chance to start. I want you to notice what happens to you when you can see a person's narcissism. Uh, it's kind of like that guy that had read the book and the only thing he could see was uh, the brother. And uh, you see that person's narcissism and you want to bring it back in a constructive and uplifting way to say, hey, why don't we, do we talk about this? Why don't we discuss what's going on here so that you and I can have better coordination? What happens to you? when you keep running into those brick walls that they throw up. Well, and, and this is where you're going to have to just uh, be honest about your contributions to some of the negatives that are there with between yourself and the narcissist. Many times when you run into these brick walls, you can't leave well enough alone. And so sometimes you'll go into your com com, uh, complaining mode. Sometimes you'll go into your convincing mode and you find yourself, listen to your tone of voice. You find yourself being more persuasive and insistent in the way that you speak. Come on, I've got to get you to understand this. And not one single time is that narcissist going to say, well, upon further review, I guess I'll pull back and consider what you had to say. When you go into this convincing and pleading kind of mode, it doesn't work. But the temptation is so strong because you know that you're seeing things accurately, just like I was seeing things accurately with that guy who read my book and all he could see with his brother, but I knew he had the problem too. And yet, uh, you can't convince somebody of something they don't want to know. Uh, by the way, uh, there, there's a little ditty that I like to use. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Whenever you do try to get somebody to be convinced against their own willpower, they may just say, okay, okay, just to shut you up. But on the inside, it's like, I'm not convinced. I'm just saying that just to get you off my back. And so you, you can make the mistake of trying to plead and persuade. Another mistake that you can make when these narcissists refuse to receive your input is you can find yourself being caught in circular arguments. Because narcissists are so naturally inclined toward anger, they're probably going to have a strong, angry reaction to you if you say, let's talk, or I've noticed something that bothers me, let's put that on the table. And so when you do say that, they're probably going to come back at you with some form of anger themselves. And they can yell at you. They can uh, do what I call the boomerang communication. Me, what about you? They'll flip it back onto you. They can become very hostile sometimes. They can go into rages. They can scream or they can uh, be passive aggressive. They can do all sorts of things. And I've, I've heard so many stories. And when I say so many stories, hundreds upon hundreds of stories of people who will have these long and drawn out arguments that go absolutely nowhere. And then there can be these long uh, uh, periods of time where there's this scorn and uh, agitation and disdain and contempt that's there just hanging in the air. 
you can play that game and all it does is it sullies you because the narcissist is simply, by definition, not willing to receive your input. Uh, another thing that you can do when you want to confront, you say something to the narcissist about their narcissism, they don't receive it. Another thing is um, in response to their predictable attacks toward you, you can go too deeply into your own justification mode. You can feel like, well, I'm explaining myself over and over and over, and so you have to rationalize why it's okay for you to think and feel as you do. You have to give 14 illustrations about why what you're saying is is accurate. And again, whenever you go into this justification and rationalization mode, it doesn't really impress the narcissist. All the narcissist does is they're thinking, well, the game's still going and I'm still going to play it. And so what happens is your anger will creep in and it'll just remain in you and you find yourself to be someone who has all of this irritability and the narcissist will look at you and say, see, look at you. <laughs> the reason I can't take input from you is because you're so messed up in your head. And of course, the narcissist walks away thinking, well, whatever it was that you were uh, wanting to tell me, well, it's clearly wrong. Look how much of an idiot you are. And so you can't really afford to get caught up in your dysfunction in reverse to the narcissist dysfunction. And we go back to that statement that I made, the, uh, the primary ingredient that keeps narcissists from uh, being able to admit their own narcissism is their victim status. They see the world in almost paranoid kind of ways. Uh, it's like no one understands me like me, and no one cares about me other than me. And so I listen to no one besides myself. I take input from no one beyond myself. And that's their starting point. They see the world as a place that's going to screw them over. And so when you come along and say, I have something helpful to share with you, their thinking is not going to happen. So we go back and we ask, you know, why is it that they just can't pull out of it? The patterns that, that define narcissism can be so deeply entrenched, and they were there before you ever showed up on the scene, that here you try to bring common sense and insight and awareness and collaboration and empathy to the equation, and you may as well be speaking a foreign language to that person because they're just simply not predisposed to be able to hear whatever it is you have to say. And then like that, like that tone-deaf teenage boy that just didn't realize how far off base he was because he wanted to be the lead singer, the narcissist can think, now, in the midst of all of my tone-deaf way of doing life, I'm going to be in charge. I want to be the lead singer here. And you're over there thinking, how in the world did you get to that, draw that conclusion? And the narcissist thinks, because it's me and because I have to step in and make sure everything goes right because the rest of you idiots out there are not going to do it. That's how they think. And so as you see this and you realize that the level of self-awareness is so absurdly low it's going to have it's going to cause you to have to come to terms with certain things as you engage with them and that is um the bottom line is um even if you can't discuss the problem of narcissists with a, a narcissist you still see what you see 
And what that says is you need to trust yourself. Listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're noticing uh, and, and don't back away from it. Uh, it, uh, it may be that that narcissist will never uh, get it, but you can get it. And then that being the case, you also are going to have to come to terms with the fact that their inability to have an adult conversation with you, in other words, they stay stuck in their childishness, is uh, it just proves that you're on target with your observations. These individuals are developmentally stunted. They will respond to you in a very childish kind of way where it's kind of like, uh, I can't believe that you're making my life so miserable. Kind of like the kid on the playground that just doesn't like that Johnny didn't agree with him. And so they go whining and crying and griping. That's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a person who has not developed beyond grade school thinking. The narcissist is destined to a life of emptiness, unfortunately. They're destined to a life of loneliness. They're destined to a life where they esteem themselves based on all sorts of false criteria that's where they are. So as you ponder that question, why can't they pull out of their narcissism? You hear guys like me and we can explain this. And so it's, uh, and, and it makes sense, but it's going to be incumbent upon you to say, well, if that's the case, then I guess I'm going to have to adjust my expectations. And the answer is right. That's exactly what you're going to need to do. You're not going to be able to connect on any meaningful level with someone who is unable to examine himself or herself. And uh, what it means is the relationship with that narcissist, if you're going to continue in a relationship at all, is going to be shallow at best. So hold on to these insights and awarenesses. And I'm hoping that even if that person in front of you is incapable of making healthy adjustments, you can adjust who you are and you can adjust how you're going to respond to them. Because right here on Team Healthy, what we want to do is stand for dignity, respect, and civility. And we're going to do so even if that other person says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Or <laughs> worse, I do it all the time. You're the one that doesn't know what you're talking about. In other words, they just don't get it. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to go ahead and stay inside my steadiness and my healthiness. And Mr. or Mrs. Narcissist, if you can't join me, then I'm, I'm committed to what I know is wisest and best anyway. So I hope this gives you some good things to think about. And I will uh, get back with you very soon with the next episode. And uh, we have plenty of resources that are available. And, and if you'll look at the bio section and the explanation description section, you'll find out that we have all sorts of things to offer for you. And I hope that uh, you'd make yourself available to all of that. Team Healthy, I'm so pleased that you allow me to be on your journey with you. And I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us for this week's podcast. Thank you for being an important part of Team Healthy. 